Hello, Gap Year Universe. I'm Julia Rogers. And I'm Margot Brookfield. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing Gap Year adventure. Today's show is a bit of a preview. Here at Gap Year Radio, we are going to focus on bringing you interviews from people from across the Gap Year spectrum. People who run or lead Gap Year programs, Gap Year alumni who can tell you about their adventures, and travel experts who can give you advice on how to turn your dream of a Gap Year into a reality. On this episode, you'll get to hear a bit from the people who are bringing Gap Year Radio into your ears, Julia and myself. We interviewed each other about our own life paths that led us to where we are today and made us passionate about the Gap Year option. Thank you for being here, and let's get started. Hi, Margo. Good afternoon, Julia. How are you doing? I'm doing superb. How are you doing this afternoon? I am very well. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so uh, welcome to Gap Year Radio, listeners far and wide. We are uh, Margot and Julia, and we will be your hosts moving forward through the entirety of this series, hopefully. <laughs> Margot, um, where are you calling from today? I am currently in my home in Bend, Oregon, in Central Oregon. Uh, what about you, Julia? I am uh, calling in from Stowe, Vermont, where I am based. So we are... Um, pretty much as far apart as people could be in the United States. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but it feels like you're right here beside me because we've got such good equipment. <laughs> I know, our fancy, fancy schmancy microphones. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so anyway, welcome to Gap Your Radio. We're, we're so glad that you're listening and please stick with us as we uh, make it through our first official episode, and uh, Margo will tell you a little bit in a minute about what to expect from this podcast. But I first wanted to say that the whole point of this podcast and the reason that we are putting it together for you is really to create a space, especially for students, to learn more about the possibilities of, of a gap year and become inspired to plan their own. So we want to create uh, resources and interesting interviews and tips and things like that to really get you excited about what a gap year could be. Um, and we also welcome, you know, future, past and future gap year students, parents, educators, basically anybody who's interested in learning more about how to take a meaningful gap year. So uh, before we actually dive right in, I think that it's probably also important to define a gap year because uh, there is some, you know, differences in opinion as to what it actually means. And I think that Margot and I agree that the general definition of a gap year that we work from is that it is a structured time of um, personal growth where you're basically, you know, crafting who you want to be as an adult through activities of enrichment. And basically what that could mean is so many different things. You could be doing service work, you could be traveling, you could be interning, you could be learning a language, you could be... Um, unicycling across the country. <laughs> you know, you can... It's, it's this time that is a personal to you where you are allowed to experiment and explore and do it before, during, or after college when the stakes are a lot lower and your um, ability to do these things and travel is so much higher. Anything to add on that definition, Margot? No, I think that was a great synopsis. Yeah. So it's, you know, gap a gap year is time on. It's a really supposed to be meaningful, purposeful. And what we want to do here at Gap Year Radio is show you all the possibilities that are available within that definition. So, um, Margo, why don't you talk a little bit about 
you know, a little bit more about the podcast and, and what we're hoping to do with it. Absolutely. So ideally, this podcast is not just going to be Julia and I chattering away and talking at you all, but we're going to bring in a variety of guests to provide you all with a bit more insight and different perspectives on what a gap year can mean. Um, So that is going to come from both, you know, maybe former students and alumni who have taken gap years who can tell a bit more about their stories and what they did with their year on. Um, It's also going to come from, you know, maybe parents of alumni as well, um, parents of students who've taken a gap year and what that meant for them as parents, for their family, etc. We are also going to bring in travel experts, uh, program providers, so um, people that work within the gap year industry providing some of these more structured experiences or less structured, but maybe still within a program or the umbrella of a program. Um, And just other guests that we think are beneficial for you all to hear from, um, whether that's for planning a gap year, for better understanding what that could mean for your son or daughter in the future, just as much information and different perspectives as we can provide you all, um, as well as our tidbits and a bit more about our experiences, which we are happy to tell you a bit more about today. Exactly. So uh, for our very first episode, this is actually the get to know you episode, because obviously Margot and I are extremely interesting um, and we want <laughs> you to know all about us. Um, but but really, the focus of future episodes is going to be more on the guests and Uh, thematic around what we think is important relating to who we're bringing on. So we thought today it would be fun to do a little bit of interviewing of each other. And so we wanted to start that process by giving each other a series of popcorn style questions, which is, uh, if I don't, if I recall, it is a style of icebreaker. Margot, do you guys do this at ARC at all? Yes, we do. Yeah. Okay. So this is very in keeping with uh, experiential education, but we have not revealed to each other what the questions are. So we're just going to kind of go back and forth and ask each other questions and we'll get to know each other a little bit better as well as you guys will get to to know us. So, um, oh, Amargo, do you want to start or do you have anything to add about that? No, I think we should just jump right into it and we can alternate and uh, see what comes up. <laughs> okay, great. Right. Okay. You, you ask me first then. Let's go. All right. Uh, so what is your favorite phrase in a foreign language? Oh, this is, this is really, this is perfect because it's very easy for me. And I can tell you right now that it is shagala bagala, which is <laughs> the Swahili phrase meaning disheveled. Um, it's, it's considered kind of a rude thing to say in Swahili, but it's very, like, lots of young people use it. Um, and I will talk more about this later, but I spent quite a bit of time in Tanzania and I, I found myself describing myself in that regard uh, quite often. Um, but I learned quickly that you should not use that word in front of village elders uh, because it is, <laughs> it is not, it's not, um, <laughs> it's not quite proper. So that, but I just think it's so, it almost sounds Yiddish. It's just this great phrase. And I was really, really proud the other day because my four-year-old daughter described herself as Shagala Bagala. So I know that she's listening and learning her Swahili. <laughs> oh, that's great. I hadn't heard that yeah. one yet. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, okay, Margo, what is your most prized piece of travel gear? Oh, goodness. Like, what do I not leave the house without when I'm going on a trip? Yeah, especially abroad. Or, you know, what do you have to have with you when you're traveling in a place where it's harder to get stuff? Oh, my goodness. 
Um, as of late, I would say that my favorite new piece of travel gear is my SteriPen. Um, mm. I really dislike buying plastic bottles when I'm traveling and having to buy bottled water. So a SteriPen is a way to purify your water for those of you who might not know. Um, and it basically, it's a, it's a light that sterilizes your water for you. And so I used that for an entire gap semester that I was an instructor on. And it was how I purified all my water and how I, I got all my potable water. And it was so, so great and so much better than buying plastic. So that is my latest piece of favorite travel gear. Awesome. That's a great one. The great, great answer. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Julia, what is your like top favorite outdoor adventure you've ever been on? Okay. Um, favorite outdoor adventure. So it would definitely be trekking to Annapurna Base Camp in Nepal with my husband, Tom. And we did this in 2010, so a while ago. But it was awesome because one of the things I love about trekking in Nepal is that you can utilize tea houses, which are these little guest houses that provide you with bedding and food that you can purchase and things like that. So you actually don't have to trek with all your gear. You know, you don't have to bring a tent or a sleeping bag or all that kind of stuff. So it's a really nice way of traveling light or trekking light. And the tea houses themselves are so cozy. I drank so much chai tea and ate a lot of spaghetti. And the views were absolutely amazing because the trek is about 10 days round trip. And you start in kind of the rice fields and low elevation uh, scenery. And then you kind of get up to above the tree line and just the Himalayan mountains are all around you. And you're going upstairs and downstairs and upstairs and downstairs all day long. Um, it's, it's just an amazing experience. And I, I loved it. Amazing. That has been top on my bucket list for a long time. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you got to get over there. <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> okay, Margo, um, what is your most embarrassing attempt at speaking another language? Oh, no. <laughs> I'll have to think of that one because I feel like there have been many. <laughs> um I'm trying to think. I mean, I definitely, so I started studying French in college. I'd been a Spanish speaker for a long time or studied Spanish. And I started studying French in college for the purposes of my focus on um, Francophone Africa and particularly West Africa for my studies in college. And I think that the French language is beautiful, but the accent is quite hard to master. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so especially it was upon arriving in Cameroon where I did my uh, college study abroad, um, I feel that I got a lot of just funky looks of kind of what is that accent? What are you trying to say? Especially because the Cameroonian accent for French is quite different than a French accent. Mm. And so now, especially my French is just this muddled mix of like Cameroonian West African French. And so then when I speak to somebody who's from France, if I've tried the few times that I have tried, which is always an embarrassment, <laughs> I often get looks of, okay, so where did you learn French? <laughs> because you don't quite sound just right. <laughs> so that has been my um, never ending struggle with the French language. As opposed to, yeah, I can't even get started with the French language. So, um, so you're already, you are ahead of me. <laughs> you know, doing my best. It's slowly withering away from my brain as I've not been able to use it much since then, but um, still would love to keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, Julia, what is your, I guess, what is the strangest thing you've eaten while traveling? Oh, let's see. Um, so my mind goes to Asia, um, and and I 
Um, or maybe Oaxaca, Mexico. That's my more recent memory because I definitely ate crickets, like fried crickets in Oaxaca, Mexico when I was there a couple years ago. And those were actually delicious. They taste like potato chips or, I mean, like crunchy and salty. What's not to like? You just kind of forget that they're crickets. Um, (laughs) And when I was in Southeast Asia, I remember I saw so many weird things like, you know, full squid on like poked on the stick and roasting over the, well, not even roasted, but I think that some of them were raw and then centipedes and things like that. Um, But I can't say that I was brave enough to actually eat the centipede. But um, so I'll have to just go with maybe crickets as as the answer. (laughs) Gotcha. Those those roasted um, insects are quite the the delicacy, I guess, but also quite the experience. <laughs> Definitely. Although, I, I mean, it's funny because one of the things I ask my students is like, what did you eat? I ask that same question when they come back from their gap time. And I've gotten some really weird answers, you know, like the kind of like if they eat something like um, an octopus that's still like clinging to their throats as they swallow it and stuff like that. So there's definitely some oh, really no. wild stuff that you can eat while you're traveling that can definitely be an experience in itself. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Margot. Well, this is kind of related. It's a food question, but it's a little bit different. It's what is the best meal you've ever had while traveling? Oh, goodness. I feel like I've been treated to a lot of great cuisine and a lot of very interesting foods as well while traveling. Um, But I guess what comes top of mind is when I was leading a program in Thailand, we did a full day cooking class and we had the opportunity to learn how to make four different Thai dishes throughout the course of a full day. So I'm pretty sure we made uh, Tom Kha soup, mm. and then we made a green curry, and then we made pad Thai, and then we made this sort of like banana bread pudding thing that was in banana leaves that we baked. Mm. And after each course that we made, we got to consume the food. <laughs> so it was just a full day of just eating and gorging on all this delicious Thai food and learning how to make it as well. Um, and I remember just coming home from that day and just being so satisfied, totally put into a food coma. Um, but it was just delicious and really cool to learn how to make some of my favorite food in the world would have to be Thai food. So that was that was pretty special. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm salivating as you describe that because I can definitely imagine it. And, and it's so good. It's good stuff. Um, most yes, definitely. definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so in relation to your time in Tanzania. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you miss most about Tanzania or East Africa? Um, You know, whether that's food or people or yeah, what do you miss most about that time in your life? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. So one of the really unique things about the program that I went on was that our cohort was half international volunteers and half Tanzanian volunteers. So we we um, had cross-cultural training and all trained together on how to deliver public health programming in our villages. And then we were paired off into twos and lived in rural villages um, together. So one of the things I really miss about that is that I got really close with my Tanzanian counterparts. And some of you know the, my best friends from that program were Tanzanians that I haven't seen since that time. Um, actually, one of them, Will, I have seen a couple times since, and that's been really special. Um, but otherwise, I'd really love to go back and, and see everybody and see them 10 years hence, which is um, kind of crazy to think about, but it was 10, more than 10 years ago now. And everybody's kind of grown up and has kids and has different jobs and things like that. So I definitely miss the people. I'd also love to return back to my village, Nyanyembe, and say hi to all the people I met there because they 
were so hospitable. Um, they brought me everything I needed. I remember one time when my stove broke, it was, you know, not even five minutes before people were bringing me roasted corn and trying to fix my stove for me and things like that. So the hospitality is great. I miss speaking Swahili. So I guess there's a lot that I miss <laughs> or that I appreciated about my time there. But I think that's the experience a lot of people have when they have that kind of immersion experience is that you really develop those relationships and that appreciation for the culture. Absolutely. No, that's great. I I had a feeling the answer might be more or less everything, but <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But that's well, great. I, I can tell you I do not miss the rats. There was like a lot of rats. <laughs> and I, that was hard to deal with. Yeah. And I'm sure yes. Cameroon as well, right? <laughs> I had a rat problem in my room at my homestay mm-hmm. and so I very much relate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. Um, so, Margo, what is the most unexpectedly cool place you've ever visited in the United States? Oh, interesting. Une- unexpectedly cool. Right. Um, oh, my goodness. I might have to think on this for a minute. Okay, I have it. Um, <laughs> so, before ever meeting you and doing the gap year fairs, I had never been to the East Coast. And so I think that I always had this sort of image in my brain of what I thought it was of, you know, the major places you think of like New York or DC or, um, you know, I just had no point of reference because I had never traveled in that part of the country. Mm. And so I actually, originally I was starting to be opened up to what all, um, I guess, Northern New England had to offer through a couple of my co-leaders from ARC um, that I had worked with on programs who are from New Hampshire and told me that there's mountains in like Vermont and New Hampshire and (laughs) that you can ski and that there's all these wonderful outdoor things to do. And my, I was, my mind was blown because I just had no idea. Um, and, And having never been to that part of the country, I didn't know anybody from there. My family had never been there. I just had no point of reference. And so, um, I think that my favorite part of, yeah, I guess unexpected place that I've ended up absolutely loving has been Vermont and New Hampshire. Um, just because I had no idea how much there was um, in the outdoors and just the, the natural beauty and, I mean, wonderful people. And I like that it's kind of all these smaller New England towns. Um, it just totally, yeah, stole my heart in a way that I didn't quite anticipate as I did other places I maybe planned trips to or something. So, um yeah. yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. And did you know that Vermont is actually offering $10,000 for relocation? So if you ever want to move here, you can, they'll, they'll help you cover your, <laughs> no your relocation way. costs. Yeah, exactly. That's actually really good to know. <laughs> Although Bend <laughs> I, has kind of stolen my heart too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm sure that I'm going to get in trouble with Scott if I, um, if I lure you over <laughs> to the East Coast. <laughs> that's okay. I'll just keep visiting on the Gap Circuit every year. <laughs> yes. That, that sounds like a good plan for now. So, um, absolutely. Okay. So Julia, if you were to pick one place, it could be domestic, it could be international. Um, just like your top dream board destination, destination or trip that you would like to take in life. Um, what would that be right now? Really good question. I actually have two answers for that because it's some, it's always top of mind. I'm always thinking of the next place. And a lot of times the next place for me is the next place that are the, the places I feel like I should go and vet programs in for my students, which we'll discuss later. But um, as far as like my personal destinations, those are sometimes not as, as well aligned because um, one of my 
top 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 destinations from from years and years is Bhutan which is this little Himalayan kingdom that's nestled in between India and Nepal and kind of in that region of the world and it's got high mountains it's a very insular country and they practice this kind of uh, philosophy called gross national happiness where it's an official governmental policy that values uh, other things besides gross national product so they measure their success as a nation by conserving their wild spaces by their preserving their cultural heritage by the happiness of the people etc etc they have five pillars of happiness that they measure their success by and i really respect a lot that they've done um they're very they're really strong conservationists and they have a really intact culture that um there's there's not they, they have some problems, too, um, with that kind of philosophy, but it's um, very interesting. and I'd love to visit. So that's that's definitely number one. Um, a close second as a um, kind of harried parent is that whenever I see on Instagram those like villas in the Seychelles that are like like plopped over the ocean on stilts and you can like go and spend like a week in a villa and be like next to Jennifer Aniston or something like that, like those kind of luxury in the middle of the ocean type things where you can jump right into the ocean right off of your off of your accommodation kind of seem like the dream luxury vacation but that's not usually my style of travel (laughs) (laughs) absolutely i think i saw a commercial for one of those recently somewhere in in the caribbean and yeah, you just see that crystal clear blue water and you're like, oh, wow, that looks really nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to be in like the budget anytime soon. But, you know, uh, someday, you know, that'll be a good like wedding anniversary present down the road or something. Maybe you can win a fancy trip on a lottery or something. <laughs> there you go. That sounds. Yeah, I'll try. I'll try my hand at that. But um, in the meantime, I have lots of other really fun travel plans, so I can't complain. But um, it's funny because my last question is the exact same question. My qu- last question was, where is your dream destination? <laughs> You're kidding. Great minds think alike. Oh, totally. Okay. Um, I have so many um, that have definitely been on my list, top of my list, um, very much. Yeah. But I think that the one that has been for the longest time that uh, yes at the top is what you were talking about earlier is actually just going to Nepal um mm-hmm. last summer I had the privilege of traveling to India with with ARC on a program and going up into the northern Indian um Ladakhi Himalayas which was mm. amazing um and just gave me this like little taste of what I've been dreaming of basically since elementary school I don't know what it was but I did all of my elementary school presentations and projects about Nepal. Um, I've been obsessed with Everest since I was, since for as long as I can remember, probably also since elementary school. Um, started reading every book I could get my hands on about, you know, Everest expeditions and about Nepali culture. And it's just been a dream of mine for so long. And I actually have a close friend from my first semester abroad in high school, which I will tell you all more about later. Um, and she grew up in Nepal. And so when I was 16, I, I met her, and she, her, her dad was a Peace Corps volunteer who had stayed in Nepal um, and is now a National Geographic Explorer. And she had grown up splitting her time between Kathmandu and Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And wow. so just spending three and a half months with her traveling and hearing all about her life growing up in Nepal, it just sparked that fire even more in me of just, mm. this is the place that I have to go. So I haven't made it there yet, but it is very much within my five-year scope, I guess. Um, (laughs) Hopefully sometime sooner rather than later, but that's absolutely my top choice. 
Oh, yeah. It, Nepal is is very special. And I think that it's it is it looms large in our cultural imagination. I also had a a T-shirt growing up that was Royal Nepali Airlines that I, I had this similar fascination and infatuation with Nepal um, because of the lure of Everest and the I think just the call of the mountains and um, the wonderful culture and things like that. So um, I, I can feel you on that for sure. Absolutely. Cool. Wonderful. Well, I think that now would be a great time for us to jump in a little bit more just to give the audience a better idea of kind of why we're, we are here. I know we said like why we're excited about this podcast and the purpose of it, but, um, you know, kind of what life events brought us to end up here and um, the reasons why I guess both of us are so passionate about gap years and the gap year industry. Um, so... I guess I'm happy to just kind of jump right in with a with a question, um, with a question to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I, I I guess I know why you kind of ended up being more I guess aware of gap years or interested in this, but um, you know I know you mentioned earlier that you did take a gap year um, in Tanzania. And so I would love to just hear a little bit more about you know what that experience was like for you, how that impacted you. Um, and maybe if that obviously ties into why you're doing what you're doing today. But yes, how was, yes, more about your gap year. Definitely. So um, my gap year, I actually took after college. So I graduated from Hamilton College and I really felt that I wanted to do some service work afterwards. And I had looked into the Peace Corps, but I had never traveled to the developing world. And I thought I should dip my toe in first and kind of not necessarily commit to two and a half years right off the bat. So I I found a non-governmental program run out of the UK. Um, At the time, it was called Student Partnership Worldwide. And they do peer-to-peer public health education in developing countries. So their model, which I really appreciated, um, being very um, in tune with trying to be ethical and equitable in in service work abroad, was that they, they train and match people from the international sphere to locals in the country that they're working in, in addition to mobilizing and empowering local youth in general. So in Tanzania, there was a cohort of 15 international volunteers. We were from the States, we were from the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and we uh, learned Swahili for four, four or five weeks. And then we came together with 15 Tanzanian volunteers and trained in the module that we were going to be teaching in our individual villages for another six weeks. So we had a good amount of training. And then we were deployed to our villages in pairs, as I mentioned before. And it was um, a, a challenging experience. It was extremely fulfilling in a lot of ways. I think that the organization was doing good work and we were doing good work um, as much as can be expected with the ups and downs of development work. But what I came away from that experience with was also the self-knowledge of how much I had changed and kind of overcome in a extremely difficult living environment and cultural differences and language differences and all those kinds of things. And I knew that I had changed so much and had gained so much more perspective and and confidence and things like that. And then I looked and half of my international cohort were British gap year students. They were 18 year olds who had ha- gone through the same experiences I had and were about to start college. And that blew my mind. That was the that was the kind of first crack in the door that opened my eyes to the possibilities of a gap year because I thought that if I had done the same experience before I started at Hamilton, it would have completely reinformed my college experience. And I also would have really 
appreciated my college experience a lot more. Um, so that was that was the first step. And then the next thing was when I returned from Tanzania, um, I thought, well, more Americans need to be doing this. Why aren't more Americans doing this? Why isn't this a thing? And uh, through some thinking and brainstorming and market research, I decided that I wanted to help other students through counseling and through kind of advising other young people on how to take a gap year before college, because I figured that one of the main barriers to entry was the fact that there weren't a lot of people to give information and support and also help people who weren't as into research as I am vet programs, because there's a lot of dubious volunteer programs, especially out there, but also some, you know, predatory travel opportunities and things like that. And they're kind of um, harder to find now that they are they're easier to find now that the internet is out there and sometimes a great website doesn't beget a great program. So I decided to become a gap year advisor. And so now that was um, 10 years ago. This is on route's 10 year anniversary. So in short, I am the founder of Enroute Consulting and I'm a gap year advisor and I work with kids individually, students individually to help plan personalized gap years that that kind of um, combine different experiences. So most of my students will do multiple things over the course of their gap year that pertains to their specific interests and their their place in life and kind of where they want to get to on their gap time. So that was a long-winded answer, but that's it. <laughs> Amazing. No, it's great to hear kind of your full succinct story of, of what brought you to where you are today. Um, and so I know that I guess my question was a little loaded and it, it would have warranted a long answer. So um, so thank you for sharing. Yes. Well, even, you know, Wolverine has an origin story. So that's my origin story. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. That's great. Yes. Um, what about you? Um, I know that I think that one of the things that's really special about your entry point into the gap year world is that it started before you even graduated high school. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about about um your high school experience and how how that was special for you. Sure. So yes, I was born and raised in a suburb of Kansas, Kansas City, and on the Kansas side, Prairie Village, Kansas is the name. And um, I had never really had the opportunity to travel growing up. My family, you know, was not really able to travel a lot. Um, I had never really been out of the country up until when I was 16. And I was fortunate enough to have been exposed to a program called the Traveling School. Um, which is a study, a high school study abroad program for girls only that focuses on experiential education and outdoor leadership um, and place-based learning, basically, in international locations. And it was through a family member who had been connected with the school and had kind of pushed me way outside my comfort zone. You know, as a kid, they'd been telling me about it. And I was like, how could I ever leave for a whole semester when I'm in high school? That's crazy. And so I finally made the decision to take a semester abroad my the fall of my junior year of high school. And I spent three and a half months in Southwest Africa. And I, yeah, never been out of the country before and stepped on a plane with a bunch of ladies and, and four teachers that I had never met before and flew to Zambia. And spent the next three months overlanding, so living out of an overland truck and camping um, in Zambia, Namibia, Botswana, and South Africa. And uh, to say the least, my worldview was just completely opened. Um, I was exposed to so many different things and aspects of the world and of life and of the outdoors that I had just never even had the slightest idea about. And so it definitely 
changed the trajectory of my life to say the least. Um, but I loved that experience so much that I ended up coming back for a second semester, which was the spring of my senior year of high school. And that semester was in Central America. So I was in Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and Chiapas, Mexico. And so I didn't take a gap year per se, but that semester was the second semester of my senior year. And I think in effect served as a gap year would for me. Um, you know, I had spent that time abroad. I had spent at that point two semesters um, living and traveling abroad and had just had so many passions that were kind of ignited during that time, um, totally drove me down the path that I went on in college. You know, I knew immediately what I wanted to study, what I wanted to do, you know, at least at the time I thought I knew what I wanted to do. (laughs) Um, And, you know, started just like trudging down that path (laughs) immediately, you know, declaring my major, my first term of my freshman year of college, which, you know, and I think that I was a a unique case that doesn't always necessarily happen after, after spending time abroad like that. But it was definitely a huge, huge turning point for me um, in life. Yeah, that makes sense. And what did you study in college? So I ended up studying, um, I was an international studies major with a focus on comparative development in Francophone Africa, mm-hmm. hence the, the French language study. And um, I really thought that that was what I wanted to do at the time. I guess here's a my <laughs> long and short of my life story. I uh, thought that was what I wanted to do at the time was go into like international aid and development and work for some, you know, international nonprofit or NGO. And then it was during that study abroad in Cameroon, actually, my, you know, that next major abroad experience for me that I really realized, like, you know, through a variety of different reasons, wow, this is not what I want to do. I was studying, I was actually studying, it was called social pluralism and development was the name of my program with a French focus, but um, just learning about international aid and development on the ground really changed my perspective. And I came to realize, wow, this isn't what I want to do. I've loved learning about it. I'm very passionate about it, but it is not a realm that I necessarily want to make my career or my future out of. And so it was actually during that time, reflecting back on my experiences with the traveling school, which had been so formative for me, that I came to realize, you know, I actually really want to work in experiential education. You know, I had been toying with the idea of education and being an educator for a long time. Um, but being unsure if I wanted to work in a classroom setting. And so kind of during that that time in Cameroon came to the realization of like, wow, I really want to get back to experiential ed and look into that more deeply. Um, so that was an, ended up at, you know, after a couple other uh, jobs and internships that I tried out after college that ended up being where I landed and, and where I am still today. <laughs> so... That's great. That's yes. great. And and d- wait, did you say, did you actually mention who you work for? No. So I um, <laughs> that would be so, good. <laughs> again, it was so it was. The, the, I keep coming back to the traveling school, but it was actually through a traveling school connection that I got connected to the company that I currently work for, Arc Programs. Um, that's A R C C. It formerly was Adventures Rolling Cross Country, but we've evolved over the years, um, the past 35 years or so. Um, but so yes, I started out as a summer leader, um, leading summer programs for ARC. And then it was actually funny because gap years weren't necessarily something that I was super aware of or passionate about. Um, you know, I had done my study abroad. I knew I was passionate about semester programs, about experiential education, but you know, growing up, in Kansas, people didn't really take gap years. That wasn't a thing. So I wasn't super familiar at the time. Um, but then I came to, once I started working for ARC, doing their summer programs, they, I was, you know, brought 
it was brought to my attention that they had gap semester programs. And, you know, I'm thinking, wow. And as I learned more about it, I was like, this is exactly what I, you know, want to be doing, um, you know, in such a formative time in, in students' lives to be able to have these sort of relationships with them and facilitate an experience that I knew had been s- similar to the life-changing experience that I had been, had the privilege of experiencing in my high school time. So, um, I ended up leading two of their semester programs, one in Latin America and one in East Africa, as well as a variety of other summer programs and custom programs for schools um, before moving into the office full time about a year and a half ago now to work on the gap year programs um, and have found myself just so deeply ingrained in the industry and so passionate about it. I you know, couldn't imagine myself doing anything else today. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's right. It's really cool to hear that story. And it's also really cool that you've been able to make travel a part of your life through your work and through your education, um, which is really something special, I think. Absolutely. No, I feel very fortunate. And same to you. I mean, you go and, and get to vet programs or um, go on these exploratory trips. And it's it's a, a great privilege to be able to marry all of your passions into, into a job or career. Yes, yes, definitely. Absolutely. Um, well, yes. I mean, I know that obviously you're you're you've been one of the main gap year advisors in the industry for a long time. But I guess what other like role do you feel that you play within the gap year industry, um, or you know, what are your goals within that? I guess that's a great question because I I definitely I love working individually with students and families and kind of crafting and curating these meaningful gap year experiences and I think it's especially satisfying on the um, returning end to kind of hear people's stories and collect these responses from surveys and things like that with um, with how the students have changed over the course of, of their gap time and that over the years I, I've worked with a couple hundred students now um, it never gets old I love that part of what I do. Um, but then I'm only allowed to reach a certain, a finite number of students through that service every year. So I definitely have gotten more and more involved in the industry as a whole over the past few years, um, mainly through um, an organization that's called the Gap Year Association. So the Gap Year Association is the main kind of governing and organizing body in the gap year world. And it's a great resource if you're looking for information about gap years. It's gapyearassociation.org. And uh, Ethan, the executive director of, of Gap Year Association, has always um, been very um, amenable to to accepting my help in different projects and things like that. So I've helped on uh, annual conferences. I've helped with vetting organizations for their accreditation process um, and then just kind of helping kind of structure and build the Gap Year movement through their framework, as well as um, through a different organization called the USA Gap Year Fairs. Um, and the USA Gap Year Fairs runs a circuit of as you may um, guess, gap year fairs um, throughout the country. Um, that's actually how Margot and I initially met because um, ARC and my company both go on these fair circuits, which is basically an opportunity for students to do, get to meet people face-to-face um, in a room similar to a college fair, but it's all gap year programs. So they typically run in January and February, and I keynote some of those fairs. Um, and they're just such great educational opportunities and also a great way to share my expertise um, in public speaking and a public speaking forum, I suppose, to to families and students and things like that. So and then I'm always kind of in the background tinkering, brainstorming, scheming about ways that I can reach more people um, and kind of 
you know, get more people inspired to take gap time. So that's uh, obviously, I guess, one of the <laughs> reasons why we've started this podcast, too. So that ties ties in really well. Absolutely. No, it has been so fun. I think that um, traveling with you on the Gap Year Fairs for the past three years has been such a pleasure. And um, if, if any of you out there ever have the opportunity to see Julia speak at a fair, um, it's very much inspiring and, and great information about Gap Years. So I'm very excited to be able to host this podcast with you and um, be able to just continue hearing you share your knowledge and, and wisdom and experiences working in this industry for for the past 10 years so oh, thank you and I same and I love hearing your story and obviously you're a breath of fresh air everyone everyone agrees everyone who knows us who knows you and knows me and we talk about when we talk about you we say I mean who doesn't love Margot so it's it's going to be <laughs> such a pleasure to do this but I think it's also worth mentioning that the gap year industry in general is full of really cool people. I mean, when we're making, when we're brainstorming who to bring on this podcast, it's like the list goes on and on and on. The the kinds of people who are in experiential education, who are other gap year counselors, who are um, other program providers are similarly passionate about this, about seeing the world, becoming better global citizens, learning how to build a skill set that will inform your future in a productive way. I mean, everybody, whether they're running a program that, you know, where you learn Spanish in Spain or whether you're actually doing like on the ground work with kids in Thailand or doing an internship in Massachusetts, like it's all these different types of programs that are facilitating learning in different ways that are customized to like different individuals' interests. It's really fantastic. So it's a really cool and dynamic industry that we're excited to share with you. Absolutely. Yes. Um, we do have amazing, you know, connections that we've made through just through this industry. And I know that they all have some valuable um, insights and wisdom to share. So we're very excited uh, for our upcoming interviews and things. Yeah, definitely. So, um, Margo, why don't you tell the people where they can find us in the world? Yes, absolutely. So we do have a variety of ways that you're welcome to follow along with our podcast, um, follow along with kind of what we're doing within, within you know, the gap year world, exciting things coming your way, fun travel tidbits and such. Um, so you can find us on both Facebook and Instagram at just gap year radio. Um, and you're also welcome to email us. Our email address is gapyearradio at gmail.com. Um, did I get all of those right, Julia? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, they're right. And and also like feel free if anybody has questions for us, we we eventually will do on-air questions and answers and things like that. So, you can get in touch to compliment us on our amazing podcast or to ask questions. Either one is fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, like we said, we have a lot of fun stuff coming your way in the coming coming pods. Um, lots of great interviews. We have some program com- providers as well as some alumni students that have their stories and and experiences to share with you all. Um But yes, would you like to share how we're planning to sign off our podcast, Julia? Yes. So you've heard it here first, but every podcast we are going to sign off in a different language. Um, And so we'll we'll choose it ahead of time and and figure it out. But I'm guessing that it will be uh, with, you know, varying degrees of success every episode. (laughs) Um, But luckily, I mean, in the honor of of the Shagalabaga language, which is Kiswahili, we are going to sign off in Swahili today. So we will say thank you and goodbye. Um, (laughs) So on the count of three, Margo, you want to do it together? Sure, let's try it. (laughs) Okay. One, two, three. Asante Asante kwa kwa (laughs) sukuiza. Kwa (laughs) Harry.
Margot, it's it's Kusikaliza. Kusikaliza. I think that I just had my enunciation wrong as far as the syllables. But the- yes, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna get emails from my Tanzanian friends saying that I butchered it, so it's no worries. It's you can put it all on me. It was completely my fault. <laughs> okay, and the, and goodbye is easy. So Kwaheri. Oh, Kwaheri. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do this better in the future. We'll work but, on it. But yes, yes that was. Yeah. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.